Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and all good things must come to an end. The Knicks' nine-game win streak came to a halt, mostly at the hands of one Chris Paul. Gavin, I know you've said for for all of our years on this that you, because of where you went to college and everything, you were a, a secondary Suns fan. So I'm sure that this was ultimately okay for you. But what what uh what all led to this this loss for the Knicks? I was I was pleasantly surprised, Alex. When my loyalties were tested, I, I found myself in pain at Chris Paul making insane shot um, after insane shot down the stretch. So for anyone anyone worried about that, uh, we, we we got our answer. But yeah, it was it was a heck of a game. Uh, the Knicks came out really really hot, raced to an early lead behind some hot shooting from Reggie Bullock. Uh, but ultimately faltered down the stretch. And we're, we're, we're going to talk about why I think a lot of it rests on an atypical night from Julius Randle. But we'll get into all the highs and lows, including a heroic Derrick Rose performance right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join us this week on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. to get in on the action. We've done it pretty much every week now, Thursday at 5.30, uh, schedule permitting with the Knicks for an episode to publish on Friday that we call Fan Friday. So definitely come join us on the Locker Room app this Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I should clarify, and uh, have some great conversations with us. We've had, I think, nothing but great conversations our whole time doing these Locker Room episodes, and we'd love to have you there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. Definitely be sure to check that out. He is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play man by day, podcaster by night. And we are breaking down the Knicks loss, womp womp, to the Suns, 118 to 110. We mentioned in the intro, mostly this was due to Chris Paul, man. Uh, Down the stretch, scores seven straight points to just ice this game and put it away from the Knicks. Uh, Really heartbreaking, particularly the one shot was just, I mean, the Knicks actually had a pretty good defensive possession and, you know, had... The sun's on the ropes and Chris Paul basically heaving to beat the shot clock. And he just like hip shot it (laughs) and made one uh, that had no business going in. It like almost touched the garden ceiling because it was just this like insane flip jumper that he threw up to beat the shot clock and happened to go in. And ultimately that proved to be the deflator for the Knicks because they went down, tried to you know, get a possession or two together after that, just couldn't do it. Ultimately end up losing the game by eight. Um, Gavin, I, I don't know how much I want to talk about Chris Paul because I'm just like, I, I mean, I guess 
it was frustrating, but my respect for him as a player just, you know, I guess maintained. I don't know. I, I, I mean, obviously the results speak for themselves. He goes to teams and then they become contenders that year. Uh, even the Thunder last year, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call them a contender, but they took Houston to seven games and, you know, that was a team that was supposed to be what the Thunder are this year, which is a, a horrible tanking team. And they, they went so far as to just like immediately ship out Paul this year to be like, no, we can't have you here. We can't be winning all these games. Uh, and, you know, it, his effect is is very obvious. I mean, it, it does, I guess in some ways, and maybe this is like a weird note to start on considering how, it, you know, the Knicks now have won nine if their last 10 games. It's not like they're struggling or anything. But one of my thoughts as Chris Paul was putting this away was like, how good would the Knicks have been had they made the trade for Chris Paul this past offseason? You know, with with this unexpected star turn from Julius Randle, although would the star turn have happened quite the same? Would it have been even better, maybe, with Chris Paul there? Uh, who knows? He, he does just seem to make every team that he's on better. And, uh, you know, that was never more evident than in this game where the Suns had Devin Booker, you know, do his thing and score 33 points. And, you know, clearly made his impact throughout the game. But ultimately, when it came down to winning time, Chris Paul just kind of came out there and, and said, OK, I'm, I'm putting the Knicks away and this is it. And, you know, we're going to win this game. We're the two seed in the West. And, you know, it, it's been fun, Knicks fans. But, you know, sorry, I'm Chris Paul. Yeah, I think I think in retrospect, you, you just plug Chris Paul in the Alfred Payton spot. It's an interesting thing, right? Because the Suns really didn't have to give up a ton of assets. They they traded Kelly Oubre and I think a fairly heavily protected first round pick. Like if you're looking for an equivalent of that from the Knicks, I mean, obviously, obviously, if we're if we're looking back, um, or with the benefit of of hindsight, we would say, all right, we would have just given them Obi Toppin for him. But yeah, I mean, if the Knicks had just traded. One of their role guys. The, the issue is, Alex, a lot of us were saying, oh, just send him Randall and, and a pick. And, and that obviously would not have necessarily turned out in the Knicks' favor. But if, if there was a world where they could have kept Julius Randall, maybe somehow just sent out the Dallas pick in a couple of seconds, um, you would be talking about a Knicks team that I think would be legitimate contenders to reach the finals. I wouldn't go so far as to say they'd be legitimate contenders to win it. But if Brooklyn stayed unhealthy, um, I think that they would be about as good as anyone in the East. And I, I don't think that's insane to say because you see the effect Chris Paul has on teams. I mean, over, over the last two seasons, you could argue, I mean, I think he has a pretty compelling MVP case even this year, that he's he's transformed two franchises in his mid-30s as an undersized point guard, which is just insane. But Alex, ultimately, this is not locked on Chris Paul. This is locked on Knicks. So let's get into the game a little bit. I, I think this one essentially came down to, to your point, some insane shot making from the Suns down the stretch. Not only the Paul three, but Cam Johnson, uh, the second year forward out of North Carolina, started off 0 for 7 for 3, goes 3 for 4 down the stretch. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, who Knicks fans, including myself, love to lament um, that the Knicks took Kevin Knox over, was spectacular. I mean, using those extendo arms to have an insane reverse, a really nice driving baseline dunk, um, a couple threes. And and basically, the Suns got hot at the right time when it felt like it almost felt like the inversion for both teams, where the Knicks role players all game were making crazy, crazy shots. Like Reggie Bullock started off with 12 points in the first six or seven minutes of this one, was banging threes. Uh, Derek Rose the whole time, shot after shot after shot, finished with 22, 
10 for 18 from the field, six assists, six boards. I, I say it every single game now, another candidate for his game of the year. Emmanuel quickly, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it deeper in a future segment, but his passing and shooting was A-plus um, at crucial moments, particularly early in the fourth quarter. Uh, but Julius Randle really, really struggled. And, and it, it was sort of, for most of the game, it, the reason it was so close and back and forth was it was the exact opposite for the Suns, where, where their star scorer, Devin Booker, was absolutely ripping the Knicks apart at 26 points just after halftime. He finally cooled down in the fourth quarter and stopped foul baiting, but then everyone else on the Suns got hot. And because Randle could never quite get it going, that was ultimately the difference in this one. But Alex, after doing... Sort of a general recap. I don't know. Do you want to quickly hit on a on a player, or or maybe we could tell people a little bit more about our locker room coming up? Yeah, I think let's let's uh, tell everybody about locker room real quick. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, Gavin, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Again, we will be hosting a room for Locked On Knicks once a week. This week, it will be Thursday at 5.30, which has sort of become our, our de facto time, uh, unless you know a, a Knicks game interferes with it. But we've been on a real lucky stretch of no Thursday games. So yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day and even get on the Friday edition of Locked On Knicks or just weekend edition, you know, whenever we happen to get it out because of the schedule. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. Again, you'll have the chance to chat with us, and you might even get a chance to be featured on Locked on Knicks through our Locker Room conversations. As of yet, we've not had a single person get cut from the show, so if you come up and speak during our Locker Room, you're almost guaranteed you're going to be on an episode of Locked on Knicks. Again, be sure to join us this week. We will be hosting a room on Thursday at 5.30 Eastern Time. So go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Alex Wolf and Gavin at Gavin Shaw to be notified when our room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. We're planning to be live this week again Thursday at 5.30 p.m., and we can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Knicks. We will see you all there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, and we're back. Just a reminder, this year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft, April 29th to May 1st. I will be eagerly awaiting slash dreading seeing who the Jets are going to take. I, I don't know how to feel about this pick this year. Obviously missed on Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, there's there's plenty of quarterbacks still to be had. I think maybe if it was up to me, I'd maybe trade back. But anyway, that's that's for Locked On Jets. Go check that show out if you haven't already. Uh, but at any rate, Gavin, we got more to talk about with this game. I think I would like to go in the direction of Derrick Rose at this point uh, because, uh, you know, he led the team in every counting stat category in this game, which is kind of crazy considering, you know, he came off the bench. Uh, 22 points, 
10 of 18 shooting overall, six rebounds, six assists. All three of those led the team. The six rebounds was tied with Julius Randle. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was the driving force for the Knicks out there. And Julius just had a really bad game by his standards. RJ was not looking fantastic either. And Rose really picked up the slack. Like he he was doing some stuff that just really turns your head. Like it, I honestly, it wasn't even the scoring that really did it for me. It was his passing when he first got in the game. Made this like gorgeous full court lob to Obi Toppin uh, to find him. Like Rose had like just gotten the rebound, and I don't even know if he was past the free throw line on the other side of the court yet. And threw it all the way down, almost right next to the hoop to Obi Toppin, just a absolute bullet right into his hands and Obi managed to get it up for a layup uh found RJ on a really nice like it, it was just uh, it, as Wally might say uh a mouse in the house situation where RJ was you know managed to get his way deep into the paint in transition and just had Chris Paul on him Chris Paul kind of made the business decision to not worry about RJ at that point and RJ caught the ball got a nice dunk but it was a really good heads up play from Rose there and just in general, like Rose was keeping his head up in transition and finding guys in that first half. It was a a big reason why the Knicks wound up going up 15 in the second quarter was because of Rose, like running that transition game and uh, just in general, you know, setting the tone for the Knicks on offense. I think, you know, it was just everything that he was doing was, was driving them. Like he was the offense in this game, kept making those crazy floaters and I, you know, I think what's most impressive too about this stretch is that, much like Alfred Payton, who we you know get on a lot, Rose hasn't been really been offering anything from the three point line these last you know X number of games, five six games, whatever that he's been playing, you know, on this like next level of good. But everything else that he's doing is just like perfection. You know, he's he's running the offense, he's finding his teammates you know, in perfect spots for them. He's making really quick reads on the spot. Like he's making so many touch passes and um, just like split second decisions that we, at least, you know, in our experience with him, never really saw on the Knicks uh, his first time around where he was more tunnel visioning and a little slow to react to certain things developing. This time around, everything just comes so quick and, and snappy to him. And then just the the scoring, like I said, you know, he's everywhere but three. He's just doing his thing right now. He's hitting from mid-range, uh, hitting these crazy, like, floater, push shots, whatever you want to call them. And it's it's just a really beautiful sight to behold. But what do you, what did you think about Rose in this game, Gavin, and, and his overall impact? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Was there another player in recent NBA history who went from being, I mean, really for the last eight-ish years of his career being – mostly so mediocre, and then on a good team stringing together a stretch like this. The only guy I can think of is Rondo last year on the Lakers. I think it's actually very similar, but this is such a rare thing where it looks like someone is is pretty much washed, and then they come back. And I mean, and, and washed is strong, because I still think even, even the Pistons version of him was, was certainly an NBA rotation player, but relative to his former heights was washed. And, and now all of a sudden, like on the right team with the right coach, is just bringing all this craft and intelligence and, and skill level to the table. And I, I just, I honestly, I didn't know it was, it was still in him, but 
just the sheer variety with, with which he's having an impact on the game is insane. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go through it play by play here, but first bucket just fights into the middle, goes right into the body of Frank Kaminsky, spin, jump hook in, um, then goes right at campaign, draws a foul. Um, I, I think you, you just referenced it, but maybe my favorite play of the game for him was when he, when he caught the rebound off of Cameron Johnson's three. And, and this is so rarely an effective part of the Knicks offense, but as they've um, turned themselves into uh, one of the few best offenses in basketball post-All-Star break, increasingly, they've been getting some easy transition buckets. And this was really the ultimate example of it. Obi Toppin, bless his heart, sees, sees it's going to be a long rebound, takes off for the other end. Uh, Derek Rose, looking like Trevor Lawrence in a couple of years, just nails him on a bomb. Obi lays it in. Um, and, and then just, I mean, teams, I, I think it's insane. They keep trying to go, um, e- either, either zone or like some like zone variant or, or trying to double the ball against the Knicks. And, and it really, I mean, it might just be help situations, but it keeps coming back to bite other teams because the Knicks collective passing and connectivity is so good right now. And, and, and it happened twice where they double team grows and both times he, he just pretty easily like stayed calm and hit Taj Gibson either for a dunk or a layup. He, he employed a an example of quickly booty jail to get a floater. And, and, and to your point, Alex, it wasn't even the shooting. It was five second quarter assists. He was he was just driving every single thing the Knicks offense was doing. And and, and then the way he played in the fourth quarter really stood out to me because I mean sometimes with, with Rose you can you can pin some of this on all right he's he's ultimately like he's just overqualified to be a bench guy and the Knicks bench unit as a whole is just really well connected plays really well together so it's a lot of that but in the fourth quarter when the Knicks needed him I would say for the first time all year to score because Randall wasn't hitting RJ was was generally having a pretty quiet night Reggie Bullock had cooled off a little bit there wasn't really another consistent option and and Rose just starts going off he tortures Javon Carter who's a really good defender for a layup uh, then a, a leaning pull-up jumper over Frank Kaminsky hits a step back from the left corner over Cam Johnson, another floater to, to sort of keep them close, had that really nice shuffle pass to Reggie Bullock for a reverse layup, and, and then forced a turnover or, or helped force a turnover on that really good possession um, that ended with the Knicks getting a shot clock violation. And that was sort of the Knicks' last gasp effort at winning this game. But I, I just thought, Alex, it, it was a really valiant effort not sure if, if anyone remembers this, but Rose was was a key figure um, along with that entire Bulls team and Tibbs in ending uh, the Miami Heat's, uh, I think at the time, 27 game winning streak. And, and it felt like he brought that same energy to this game. And it, and it was just kind of like the old gunslinger saying, nah, we're not going to go down without a fight. And and he absolutely didn't. Ro- Rose was um, like, I'll give credit to a lot of other Knicks who had good nights. So we, we can get into it right now if you want, Alex. But um, I, I think Rose was the one guy who sort of, played with that mentality of like, I'm I'm not letting us lose this game. We're going to keep this thing going. Well, so, all right, quick, quick hitter before we hit the second break. Do you think that it was foretelling at all that Rose closed with the exact starting unit other than Peyton? Like, I wonder if maybe now that the Knicks are off the win streak and the fact that Peyton has been just getting decreasing minutes every single game and Tibbs finally seems to be like getting the, the, the idea that that Elf is not a guy that you want out there for large amounts of minutes uh, or any <laughs> potentially uh, that maybe there's finally that that change ready to come with Rose stepping into the starting lineup and IQ backing him up. I almost wonder if maybe it's going to coincide with when Burks returns to the team 
which I don't know exactly the timetable for that, but I get the feeling could be potentially by this weekend's game. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's been any like reporting about him being ready to come back by Wednesday, but I think that by Saturday would be about two weeks and it's a 10 day, 10 day quarantine unless he himself had COVID in which case maybe, you know, they'll keep him out a little longer like they did with Rose. But what, what are your thoughts on like, do you think Rose is going to step in the starting lineup sooner than later? I, I lean no. I, I think it'll happen if the Knicks are, are down in a playoff series because coaches, even the best ones, are, are really creatures of habit. And it feels like they have like certain players. I, I mean, and Tibbs, we, we, I don't, I've said it before, but we've seen it with him historically. Like He has his security blankets and he has his guys that just, for whatever reason, even if they're inexplicable to us, even if the numbers don't back them up, that they just want out there. And I think we kind of have to accept at this point that Alfred Payton is that person. And a lot of time coaches will refuse to go to their very best lineup until their backs are absolutely against the wall. And, and again, it's this weird, like I, I would love like a psychoanalyst breaking down all these coaches because it's like this weird mentality of like, I need to know I have one thing in my back pocket, even, even if it costs me games in the regular season, even if it costs me games in the playoffs. And you see it, you saw it so often with the Spurs and Manu Ginobili where when they when it got to like winning time against a team like the Miami Heat in the finals, that's when they would put him in the starting lineup. But until that point, they're like, you know, we're just going to stick with him on the bench. We're playing well with him on the bench. He really props up those units. And, and I really, I, I genuinely believe Tibbs feels the same way about both IQ and Rose. And, and it's I might even be compelled to agree with him if the Knicks only had one of those two guys. But because they have both and because you could probably stagger it, in such a way where like one is coming out and one is coming in and then they get some time together and, and they've been really, really effective together. And and, and I, I get, I mean, in, in Tibbs' defense, I really get the argument for not moving Rose off that second unit because I, I think his primary creation makes Quickly's job so much easier where Quickly's always attacking a scrambling defense. Clearly he's so, so good for Obi Top and he, he's, he's been setting him up for seemingly, like I feel like he's assisting on something like 60% of his buckets over the last couple of games. So I get the argument both ways. I would, uh, again, I would argue for a stagger and, and that's the way to do it. But I, I sort of understand it. I, I hate that it has to be, um, I hate that it has to be Peyton starting. And to your point, maybe when Burks comes back, the solution is is to sort of just go no point guard with the starting unit or, or God forbid, play Frank. Um, but to, long story short, because I know this was supposed to be a quick answer. Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen uh, despite our best intentions in suggesting that it could. Yeah, I could. I, I'm. I lean a little more towards maybe it could be on the horizon. In that, I just think that maybe Tibbs is starting to see the light that quickly can can facilitate a little bit more lately. Just because quickly's been given the opportunity to do that more, even with Rose on the floor, um, you know, of running pick and rolls and you know trying to generate shots for himself, but then not not just doing that. Like he's been actively looking to kick out to the corners lately. Um, and he's made some really, really great assists over the last number of games. He had some uh, in last night's game, too. So hopefully the tide is kind of turning there. I think that there's a real situation where you wouldn't have to necessarily give up that Rose IQ combo as, like you said, if if he just goes to more staggering, which Tibbs has shown that he's more willing to do lately, which has been great. I mean, I think literally part of what made the nine-game win streak as good as it was was the fact that he was finally smartly staggering guys and, you know, not treating everything like platoon swaps. And so hopefully that's a, uh, 
uh, something that he looks at potentially is you could start Rose, have him out there with the starters who he clearly plays very well with, and then, you know, have him still play with quickly. If you take Bullock out first and maybe even take out Bullock and Randall together since they play so great together, and it, it's actually proved to be a pretty decent strategy to take Randall out early and then let him, you know, have a long stretch to close both halves rather than have him play the whole first quarter and then, you know, come back just for the second half of the second quarter or whatever. Um, and and same deal with the, you know, the third quarter into the fourth. You know, I, I think there's something to be said for potentially starting Rose there, letting him be sort of one of the last starters to come out and then have a lengthy stretch without him in the second quarter and then have him come back in to close the half. I, I think maybe that's a viable strategy, but I guess we'll see. I, I think a lot of it is contingent on Burks coming back because I do think if they were going to have quickly out there as the point guard, quote unquote, with the second unit, they would want Burks out there with him, who they obviously consider to be somewhat of a facilitator in his own right by the the point Burks stretches that we've seen uh, this season so far. So I guess we'll see uh, if slash when that happens, but it is at least encouraging that Elf's minutes have been trickling down and down and down regardless of, I mean, he actually had a pretty decent first six or so minutes of the game last night and then got, got sat down for the whole rest of the half. Uh, probably just because of how great Rose was playing, but also, kind of telling when Tibbs used to go back to him no matter what to end the second quarter. Anyway, we're going to take our second break. And we just have to remind you guys, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. And, you know, there's so many makes and models of cars out there now. It's impossible for these brick and mortar stores to stock the parts that you need for your car in store. On top of that, you know, that they always are giving you these high prices that you don't expect, you know, and and then maybe since you're going there and, and you trust that, you know, stores are going to look out for your best interest and, and get you the parts and get you, you know, what you need for the best price, you might think, all right, well, I guess this is just what this costs. Until you check rockauto.com, do a little bit of pricing research compared to these stores that charge you, a regular consumer, more than a mechanic, you might realize like you could get a fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey, let's say you got to fix up the, the family minivan, that assembly would cost you $353.99 at Advanced Auto Parts and just $216.79 at rockauto.com. That is not insignificant. That is like $140 savings almost. That's a, a whole other part for your car that you could potentially get off rockauto.com just in savings. So if you want to check out what's available for your car or truck and maybe price some things out, what's nice is that with rockauto.com, you get to peruse the options that you want. And if you decide to pick up a part for your car or truck, right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And if you think the Knicks could maybe start another win streak this week, and given that they're playing the Chicago Bulls next game, I would say that's a possibility. You can put some money down at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on, and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, 
NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use that sweet, sweet promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, Alex, we are back. Third and final segment on the Locked On Knicks podcast. But if you want a podcast with a wider scope and a little more brevity, why don't you get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Lockdown Today pod? Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts, which somehow, someway, they must have not listened to our recent episodes, includes us. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, third and final segment here. A lot of lot of different directions we can go to open this one up. Um, a tough night for Julius Randle. Uh, a mixed effort for R.J. Barrett. I would, I would honestly say this sounds harsh given who the team they're playing were, but an average game for him given the standard he set of late. Reggie Bullock going off, Emmanuel quickly, um, some really enticing moments as a passer or scorer. As always, though, I'll toss it over to you, Alex. Where do you want to start off as we we round through this next lineup? Yeah, I kind of agree with you in in terms of RJ. Although I think the one thing that I wish was that he was given a little more defensive responsibility. Like I thought that the times when he was put on Devin Booker, he did a better job of defending him than Reggie Bullock did. Um, and granted, I thought that there was also some really suspect foul calls on book or on a sorry on Bullock early which sort of affected how he approached defense for the rest of the game. Like he drew two fouls in the first quarter. And the thing was that Bullock like stormed out of the gates in this game and was cooking, you know, he hit, I think it was three, three pointers early in this game. Um, or like, two, I think actually it was like two and a, and, and a mid range jumper. But I mean, he was cooking offensively. And I think that, you know, then Bullock was thinking like, oh man, like my team needs me out there for offense. So, you know, I got to scale back the defense now, I guess, because, you know, they're going to call this very, very tight. I mean, there was one foul call. I think it was Bullock's fifth foul, actually, which came uh, in the early parts of the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, where Booker essentially just, I mean, he got the ball kind of with deep positioning and just like, Bullock just stood there, like didn't even leave his feet with his hands up in the air and, you know, just kind of tried to smother Booker without, you know, hacking at him. And Booker like threw his, his shoulder and then sort of his elbow into Bullock to create space, kind of knocked Bullock off his mark, which then, you know, made Bullock in a way like sort of leave his feet. And then Bullock gets called for a foul uh, on that play because Booker then like sold the contact that he created to turn it into a into a foul shot opportunity. It was very, I don't know, very strange. And just I guess that's just how Booker plays and how a lot of the NBA plays. It's it's tough to like totally hate on that style because quickly obviously is the is a guy that has learned from those sort of guys and creates contact a lot, but he at least usually needs to get swiped at or something to get that foul call or have someone actively impeding his way to the hoop or something. But at any rate, uh so, you know, I think I think Bullock played a little tentative. I think RJ would have done better 
on that assignment because every time that he got switched on the Booker to my eye, he was he was doing as good a job as anybody can do on Devin Booker, given what a talented scorer he is and everything. Um, on top of that, I mean, yeah, from an offensive perspective, I, I thought this was just kind of a whatever game. You know, the counting stats aren't that bad, and even the shooting percentages aren't the worst ever. Like 17 points, 7 of 18 shooting, 3 of 9 from 3, uh, 4 rebounds, 2 assists for RJ. But when you consider that it took him 45 minutes to get those numbers, it's it was all in all pretty muted for him. You know, it just didn't seem like he had it tonight. Um, he did somewhat well in the second half. Uh, which, you know, has been a trend, obviously, and, and an encouraging one at that, but not nearly enough to get the Knicks to win, obviously. And and that's okay. I mean, he's still, again, 20 years old. It's encouraging to see that he can be out there for 45 minutes and still, uh, you know, put together the type of performance that he did without really getting tired or anything. I think the kid's an Iron Man, And, you know, he's, I, you know, we talk about the rookie wall and everything, and I, I definitely think he went through it last year with that fatigue that sets in throughout an NBA season. I think he's totally over that at this point. Uh, you know, it seems like he's just getting stronger by and large as the season goes on and fully able to play the minute load required of an NBA player and all that. So I think he's got the NBA conditioning down. But, yeah, just, just you know, an okay game from him. I, I you know, I guess you could kind of – I would say that, like, if I was going to rank their games, I would say that Randall, I think, had a worse game uh, than RJ in this one overall, based off what I would expect from them. Uh, but maybe that's just me, Gavin. I don't know where you come in on that assessment. Yeah, I think it, it's weird that whenever Randall has a bad game now, I'm, I'm so conditioned to expect him to go off every night that in my mind, um, or, or online or on this podcast, I'm just saying, yeah, you know what? He's tired. He's tired. But I mean, I, it would one, it would track that he was tired. Uh, two, I, I want to give credit to a point from uh, Benji Ritholtz, who I, I, I think my perspective on it initially was, um, yeah, you know, Randall's, Randall's due for these kind of games where they're going to be few and far between. And, and Benji was, was sort of arguing on Twitter, like, you know, with, with how aggressively teams are doubling him and the attention he's getting and the lack of spacing he's playing with on a night-to-night basis, these games should actually be far more commonplace. It's just that he's, he's subsisting and, and consistently hitting um, such a high degree of difficulty diet of shots that it hasn't mattered. But at some point, even even if Randall like legitimately has turned himself into one of the best mid-range artists on earth, those shots just aren't going to go in because they're so, so difficult. And Randall doesn't necessarily have the same benefit that Dirk and Kevin Durant do where they're seven feet tall and can get up so high. Like he's taking tough contested looks every night. Like e- even, even in this game, first shot was over Mikael Bridges a night after toasting OG Ananobi going up against another one of the best defenders in the NBA. And Randall just hit one of his signature, like long step back twos. And in my mind, I was like, all right, great. Here we go again. Randall about to torch another team. And, and then it, it, it just fell apart, but it sort of tracks and the Knicks ultimately have to make life easier for Randall. A lot of people have had a lot of different suggestions for that, putting him more in the pick and roll. Um, to your earlier point, Alex, bringing this podcast full circle, I think getting him more minutes with Derrick Rose or Emmanuel quickly, or again, when he's healthy, I, I really, I would be fascinated to see consistent starting lineups with Alec Burks um, and and uh, either him, RJ or Randall bringing up the ball every time and, and just using that kind of spacing and multiplicity to get Randall better shots. Because unless the Knicks find a way to acquire a stretch five this offseason, which 
given um, Tibbs's predilection for rim protection that is, that has proved well-founded this year. I, there just aren't too many guys on planet Earth who can protect the rim like Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson and then step out and hit threes. It, it, it really, I, I mean, I, I feel like a broken record, but it really, really makes it essential. You have someone at that point guard spot who can really shoot the basketball. So to me, that, that that's kind of the prescription with Randall if you want to continue to see sustained success because the, the type of shots he's making right now, as good as he's been all year, you, you leave yourself open to some bad nights from him. And, and I guess I guess to round this all out, I mean, the good news for the Knicks is that they were still right in this game against the second best team in the NBA. It was a one possession game with a minute left and, and uh, Macri made this point, but it was with um, Randall and RJ Barrett combining to shoot 13 of 35 from the field. That, that, that more than anything else, I think tells you that this team is incredibly legit and maybe even will be able to survive playoff games against whether it's, I mean, in the first round, the Hawks, Heat, or Celtics, if Julius Randle has an off night. And I think one thing people have to prepare themselves for is that off night is coming in the playoffs because it comes to almost every star in the league. When you're being swarmed by multiple defenders and new schemes designed specifically to stop you based off months and months and months of film watching, you're going to have some slow games. It's good for the Knicks to know that they have a Derrick Rose. They have an Emmanuel quickly. They have all these different guys to step up. And I'll finish my diatribe on this, Alex. Man, what a game for Emmanuel quickly. He's getting better and better and better. It got off to a horrible start um, with, with him making a poor decision not to shoot off of a kickout from Randall. He tried to do the thing where he gets a little too cute, passes up the long three to drive by someone. Chris Paul was right on it. Completely shut him down for a shot clock violation. Then fouled Cam Johnson from three. Um, but from that point forward, he he completely um, turned things around, uh, had a nice floater to end the first, um, had a had a, like a 30-footer after Nolan's Noel, batted out to him, felt like easy money for him at this point. Uh, missed the layup, but had this really nice uh, Euro step move versus Frank Kaminsky. And I just, I, I continue to like to see that as the season goes on, he's clearly making more of an effort to get all the way to the basket instead of settling uh, for a floater. I think actually over the last three games, I'm not sure if, if he's taken a single floater, maybe, maybe one of those banker ones, but, but not the high degree of difficulty straight on ones, then added a catch and shoot three. Um, and, and just the passing we've seen from him. I think we, we, we kind of touch on it. I know I keep spoiling the episode with Jay Kyle Mann a little bit, but I really think he's making massive, massive strides as a passer and just being more confident on the ball. And I noted it earlier, but I'll note it one final time. I think so much of it derives from the fact that he's getting to play consistent minutes with a peak Derrick Rose, and Rose is sucking in the defense, and he dishes to quickly. And instead of having to t- attack a stagnant defender, his defender is closing out on him. And given how well quickly shooting the ball right now, that's a really tough position to be in for a defender, and quickly can just get the blow by. Um, but it's not even just the basic passes. He's making these like crazy off-kilter ones, like the one he threw to Obi Toppin for a lob dunk. The reason it worked is because he threw it from a position a player wouldn't typically make a pass. It was kind of from his shoulder as if he was halfway going up to shoot or, or just gathering the ball. And and by throwing those off-timing, off-pace passes, you can catch a defense that's in rotation off-guard. He did exactly that, did exactly that again um, with a lob to Derrick Rose, uh, finished the night with an and-one floater on Cam Johnson. It, it, it was great to see. And and again, it, it just I, I think it epitomizes what's making this team so great now, Alex. They're getting contribution from six or seven deep every single night, and it's it's made all the difference. And it's, it's made the Knicks, I mean, again, I'll, I'll just say one final time, one of the legit 
good teams in the NBA. I think I think they're genuinely one of the top 10 teams in basketball. And that, that's a crazy, crazy statement from someone who doubted it all year long than myself. Yep. And I think I, I fully agree that I think the Knicks, you know, this this was as much a game as any on the win streak to that said that, you know, the Knicks are legit. And to your point, the being able to absorb those bad games from uh, RJ and or Randall is going to be important for them because teams are going to key to those two guys a lot in the playoffs. And I think this game showed, you know, with one or two different bounces or Chris Paul not making that miracle heave or, you know, whatever, this game could have gone a different way and the Knicks could have beat the team with the second best record in basketball right now. So it it uh, was, you know, for sure encouraging, even if it wasn't the 10th straight win that we were craving so much. But I think that's a good note to wrap up on. So this has been Locked On Knicks. Again, you know, we mentioned it a couple of times because this episode was brought to you by Locker Room, but we are going to have our weekly Locker Room in two days uh, on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. So definitely make sure to put that in your calendar and be ready for that and download the Locker Room app uh, from the iOS app store if you haven't already. But until next time, this has been Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw, and this was Locked On Knicks. We will talk to you all actually tomorrow with finally that episode with Jay Kyle Mann of The Ringer that we've been teasing uh, for the last like four days. So we'll come out with that episode and then we'll be back with you guys with another game recap after Wednesday's game versus the Bulls as well. So until then, peace out. Talk to you all soon.